And welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm Kevin, and this is our last episode of 2019 and our last episode of the decade uh, as we begin to transition here into the 2000s and the 20s. That's going to be such a weird thing to say as like a decade, whatever. Anyway, I'm joined uh, this month by uh, Elias Rosner. He was with us last month as a special guest. And uh, Elias, we're glad you're here. Glad to be here again. Uh, I do have to offer one correction from when I was here last. Uh, I thought Rod Rice was uh, Fraser Irving. (laughs) So apologies to to Rod, but also apologies to Irving because... Uh, I, I don't particularly love his art, but yeah, <laughs> but, but, you know, credit, credit, credit where credit needs to be. Yes. Due and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, folks, I just want to take a moment. We're 36 episodes in to make mine multiversity. We've been going for, um, almost two years now, uh, through your kind patronage and for your, sort of uh listening and and being a part of this and so we're we're grateful as we move into this new decade to be at your home for all of marvel's uh news reviews and other content uh, if this is your first time with us uh welcome uh please take a moment to rate subscribe on um apple Podcasts, stitcher soundcloud spotify wherever it is that you're coming to us from uh and then also if you're new to comics or if you're new to uh inter- the internet world of comics journalism and things uh, take a moment to visit multiversitycomics.com. It is your home for all things comic-related news, reviews, podcasts, think pieces, columns, all sorts of other fun content. They're currently in the midst of all of their end of 2019 uh, best of lists and other fun things. Uh, so those are coming out as we speak. So head on over there for that. And also, uh, and Elias, you're one of the people heading up some of this stuff. We got a lot of fun mm-hmm. end of the decade pieces coming in the next couple weeks. Um, oh, yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? Or are we saving the surprises? I mean, I'm going to save some, let's save some of the surprises, but uh, (laughs) we got a lot, we got a, we got a lot of few, a few cool ones coming up. Uh, Some interesting retrospectives, some, oh, maybe not think pieces, but some, some fun ones. Uh, And one that I, it is my personal pet project that will probably only be me contributing (laughs) to, but I am excited to get it up. I think I'm going to need to go to Twitter to ask for the crowdsourcing help but mm. we'll see we'll see cool well that's cryptic enough to uh s- perhaps lend to some people's oh i'll give the, i'll give some of that a try um less cryptic than the marvel stuff less cryptic than the marvel stuff agreed we got a lot of redacted things that we're gonna talk about here in a second but yeah all sorts of, of sites are bringing you there end of the year best of best of the year, best of the decade stuff. And uh, we thought instead of inundating you with more of that information, we would take a look at some brief news and some reviews and then come next uh, episode when we get into 2019, 20, God, it's 2020. Um, <laughs> when we get into the end of the next year, uh, we would uh, perhaps instead of doing a look back, we would do some look ahead kinds of things. So look forward um, to that in the coming year. But a little bit of news before the year closes. So we're looking ahead to 2020. Uh, this episode, next episode, we're talking about some ends. And the second part of the episode, when we review the books that we're going to review, they're all endings. Um, and we'll look more about this, look more uh, to this in our first episode of 2020. Um, when we, so we'll, in that episode coming out in two weeks, we're going to review incoming number one, the one shot that uh, Marvel is going to put out next week, the day after Christmas. Um, that's sort of their tee up for all the things that are coming in 2020 
Um, but there are some news that Marvel revealed. And usually we talk news in the first part of the the first episode of the month, um, but we're some of the stuff seems really pressing, so we're going to get to it right now. So they have announced some things that seem to be spinning out of the incoming one shot, and the first of those is that we're getting probably a lead in to an event or maybe a one shot that's going to lead into some other new series called Outlawed. Is the name of the one shot Outlawed number one, and it's going to be written by Eve Ewing, who recently wrapped up uh, the Ironheart uh, series that she was writing. It was her first comics. Uh, Endeavor, and she's also done uh, the shit, the Marvel team up um, issues that she did with uh, Miss Marvel and Spider Man. Were you reading uh, Ironheart, Elias? Was I was. I was also you- reading Marvel team up, and uh, I didn't know that Ironheart ended. I kind of suspected as much. Marvel team up got the the short end of the stick. It did. It did. Wow, I agree. Yeah. Disappear. I'm sad. Yeah. That would I think that would have been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. To continue. Yeah. That three issues that, that Ewing did, I thought were really, really cool. And then it, because it transitioned creative teams, but yeah, yeah. it only got six issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ironheart just ended with issue 12 um, last week, I think. Oh, man. Uh, but we know that we're getting more e-viewing goodness come in the next year from Outlawed and then what's coming after that. So written by e-viewing, art by Kim Jacinto. And so this story seems to be um, the young heroes, the teenage heroes in the Marvel universe are getting cracked down by the U S government. And they're going to make all the teenage heroes have to register with the government. Um, if that sounds familiar, it's because it kind of sounds similar to civil war, but instead of like a right wing British nut job writing it, it's going to be e-viewing. And so I think this is going to be civil war done right. But, uh, Elias, uh, mm-hmm. what are your sort of brief thoughts about what you think about outlawed and maybe the kind of fun things that could, that could come out of, come out of this i'm tentatively excited probably because of the creative team i think eve eve is gonna bring a voice to this idea that will be not necessarily measured but like when i when you kind of hear civil war-esque the first thing you think is just like you just cringe because yeah ha- most of the stuff of dealing with it it wasn't really handled all that well civil war mm-hmm. 2 was well, was also Civil very War too, <laughs> but uh, I really liked Civil War when it first came out. Uh, I was also yeah. very young, and then I reread it and went, "Oh wow, all the things I liked about this weren't actually in the book." <laughs> hmm. But yeah, um, nor was it uh, the intent apparently. But this sounds like it's reflecting current events in an interesting way, and, and I think it's going to approach that. Think of the children mentality that a lot of laws with good intentions that get put in place and are just poorly thought out uh, Mm -hmm. and and the way they're implemented end up be enabling the kinds of people who then get to perform more acts that are now that that their law was supposed to prevent it ends up enabling that and also enabling people who to abuse the law in, in ways that weren't intended and that you know, no, not no one really expected, but that kind of thing. And putting this in a superhero context with all of these heroes that have kind of been floating around, uh, the, at least since Champions wrapped up uh, and uh, all of their, their solo books starting to kind of end, it, it puts them in this interesting position of now, well, now the U.S. government is saying, well, you can't be heroes anymore? No, you got to register. 
clearly mm. I know a lot about this one shot already. <laughs> <laughs> was but, the was the champion series the one that Jim Zub was writing? Was that something that you were you were reading or that you had yeah, any sort of investment yeah, I in? I was I was having a lot of fun with that. Uh, okay. I, I I really like Zub's work. He he captures I think he gets team books team and 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 uh, team books pr- pretty well um mm-hmm. and he always seems like he's having a lot of fun with it and and that's i think what you kind of need uh i think he took the book away from where wade was bringing it uh and made it a little more fun uh and a little yeah. bit more worldly especially with with uh sean uh sean isaacs yeah i think that's yeah, yeah. Uh, or, 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 yeah, him and then Steve Cummings, um, his uh, mm-hmm. wayward, uh, wayward com- uh, collaborator. Uh, I thought those first few issues, I really, I loved his, seeing his art and, and his Mephisto was deliciously evil. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I think a lot of these heroes, you know, they kind of need, they need more space. They need more time to, to show. Um, Celadon Ama has been doing a great job with, with Maz Morales, but he hadn't really been with the champions for a while. Nova has just recently gotten back. Uh, so there were all these... I think that there's a lot of, of room to maneuver, and, and e-viewing is kind of, I think, will be a good voice for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this one shot. I think a story like this about sort of... Um, like government oversight and about like how government oversight relates, especially to teenagers in sort of this area in this era where like more young people are calling for things like, uh, like gun control and like for governments to like act on, on the, like on the climate crisis and all of these things, like things that like are going to like directly and all a ton of other issues, like things that are going to directly affect um, like young people, like people like our age for like the years to come, like it makes sense for, uh, a young person to be writing young characters dealing with the questions that um, like young people are sort of, are sort of asking. Uh, and I think Ewing's like a really great voice. Like um, as uh, like, I loved like the iron heart book that she was doing. And like, as someone who now lives in Chicago and who like goes to the university of Chicago where Ewing like is a professor, like that's, it's fun. It, a lot of that book was really fun in a way of like, Oh, I'm seeing different parts of the city that like I interact with on a daily basis. I didn't and know I think she was a professor there. She is. She's a pre- professor oh, she of sociology is. at the, at the university of Chicago. Um, I only and... know her from her book of poetry at the library. Oh, which one? Electric arches or 1919? I think 1919. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's a poet. She's, this is Ironheart was her first foray into, into comic things. She's written, um, another like uh, academic sociology book about the, um, the education system in the city of Chicago. Um, but yeah, I think like she is as, as sort of, she's like, I, I remember when we talked to some about the, the first issue of Ironheart in the show and um, it was like, this is like very, it's like very like, there's a lot of like technically good things. And then she, um, it felt like as she like went on, like the issues kept getting better and better and better. And there was like, even though like a lot of the voice of like Riri was there, like there was still some like working out of some of um, like the comic bookie, whatever uh, like writing process. And so I think like getting to now, like, I think like this is a book that I'm really, really excited about. And, and Saladin Ahmed, like hit all, all, who you mentioned, he's writing like Miles Morales and Miss Marvel right now. He had tweeted saying like the events of this book are going to impact what's going on in like his two books. And so it seems like this is a coordinated effort 
for sort of the, the teen corner of the Marvel universe. Um, and I kind of like that because I think that um, there's a lot of potential there in sort of that idea of all of the teenage books being about and um, something like specific and having sort of like a direct vision. And I think that's mm-hmm. really, really fun and cool. Doing maybe, maybe she'll get a, a new title, which is a uh, head of teen. Like head yeah. of X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I kind of think because they canceled champions and Zub had kind of said it was in his like blog thing or on Twitter. He had said, you know, it was because the champions were going in a different direction from the story that he was telling. And so I kind of think that we'll get this one shot and maybe something after it. And then Ewing will be writing a new champions book. It's kind of what I'm, I'm imagining, which I think could be really cool. And then like, we might get yeah. a new Nova title or a wasp title or something. Um, those are all things that I'm, I'm excited about. Especially they don't like a lot marvel of... it up. <laughs> it's yeah. You know, like they could, uh, they could launch with some really nice stuff and then like add seven other books and make it a little bit unbearable. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it could be really cool. And in that same vein of new things spinning out of, cause, cause Ewing is one of the creators that's going to be on the incoming number one, one shot. So I'm imagining mm-hmm. that parts of this story are going to be set up there. Oh, yeah. Um, in addition to this story spinning out of that one shot, Marvel has also announced connected to incoming that their next big line wide event that's coming in April of 2020 will be called empire empire with a y instead of an i so i guess as to not be connected to like nazis and secret empire and things um and we don't really know a whole lot about it but i think we can kind of guess that al ewing is going to be one of the writers on it considering he was the the through line for marvel comics a thousand to like Mm -hmm. what is going to be one of the main stories in incoming um but i was thinking about this and it seems like marvel like while marvel has had a lot of mini events they haven't had a like line wide event in a really long time. But then I remembered that war of the realms was kind of there. Like after taking the 18 months off from line wide events, this Did was their really foray back. Months? They, it seemed felt. like they didn't. Yeah. They had like many sort of um, events, like in like the different corners and like the different pockets of the Marvel universe. Like they had many series that were event mini series, but they don't yeah. think they had a, a like event where you had to spend a hundred dollars a month to get all of the books until War of the Realms came. And I'd kind of forgotten about that, actually, when this I was didn't. announced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but what, so thinking, it's kind of, well, it's, in, it's interesting to think that, like, as I've thought about a lot of Marvel in 2019, it seems like there's still a lot of, like, pockets, and all the different pockets are doing a lot of things, but, yeah. and, like, the pockets are interconnected, but there's less connection with everything else. And it seems like that might change come next year, which is interesting or not. I don't know what you think about sort of the, like, what is your preference of like interconnectedness when you read your comics? I'm, I'm of two minds of it because I both really love, and I use this as the example uh, of the promised new 52, which was, you had Justice League. Justice League was your event book. Everything else reflected the whatever was happening there, and everything. Mm-hmm. And there was this tight continuity between all of the books that took place in Gotham, that all of the bo- books that took place in Central City, uh, like all of the different heroes. There, whenever there was a big event, it would affect them in all the like little ways, kind of like how Bendis does his books. 
where he has he knows exactly what's happening kind of everywhere at once and brings it in draws it in and says okay so naomi just finished getting her powers here and now she's showing up in mm-hmm. superman two months later but it's only been two weeks between the two books uh and young justice is over here and he'll kind of like tease be like okay this is where that fits in that time and that kind of interconnectedness i really love that it's that low level that makes it feel like a universe instead of just kind of oh well spider-man's over here i guess captain america's doing something right oh, right. hi wolverine you're back from the dead again yeah uh there's but, a sense of like lived lived inness of the yeah. universe and like that and but that at the same time that can be really restrictive and you could end sure. up getting especially if you've got 10 15 titles that are in like marvel cosmic now cosmic mm-hmm. is big but if you have all that it can be kind of difficult to balance that with then with i don't know whatever's going on earth side i like the pot i like having pockets because they're kind of like i I, pr- I like imprints i really like imprints mm-hmm. so i wish yeah. that marvel knights had been the revival of the marvel knights imprint and they just pulled a bunch of their books and put them there and said okay these heroes are now in the marvel knights imprint we're telling these types of stories they're going to be darker mm-hmm. They're not really going to be reflective of the rest. We'll have we'll have mainline hero doing X, Y, or Z. Yeah. But I think that's one of the really weird parts of comics in 2019 and going into 2020 is there's 80 years of Marvel comics. There's 80 years of detective. Like, these comics have been around almost a century. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the... Well... All right. I'm going to I'm going to stop my diatribe right there cuz I'm like about to get into <laughs> Disney copyright rulings. That's the yeah. reason why the only reason why these people still have the the IP. But it's a whole we don't really know what uh, how to deal with it because of the way superhero stories grew up and then the way it intersected with well these characters are so old. What does a shared universe look like when you've got 80 years of history? I don't know. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's a tough question, and I don't envy the people in Marvel trying to to solve it. Uh, and no matter what they do, it'll probably be unsatisfying, just by nature of, you know, nature of the beast. Sure. Yeah, I think I think you raise um, like a couple of really good points. Like one being that you can have that sense of like inner interconnectedness, but it can be re- like it can be really restricting, insofar as like there has to be sort of. A, like an intense amount of communication between all of the different titles and like the oh, yeah. machine. And it seems like uh, this is like me in- inferring. It seems easier to do that when you have less books, which is not a thing that, that Marvel does at the same time. Marvel um, does not like to do that. I think they could have with, well, well, I guess we'll get to the Dawn of X stuff, but we'll get to the Dawn of X here in a second. Yeah. 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 Um, at the same time though, like there's that sense of if you have like these sort of, imprint like things if you have like a a pocket and you say like these books are doing these things that sort of hangs on the explicit or implicit understanding that like of a specific definition of what these books are going to be like Mm -hmm. these books are going to be sort of in this vein doing this thing telling this story or telling the kinds of stories that spin out of this whatever Um, i think if marvel wanted to cool their jets for even longer on mine wide events mm -hmm. these pockets would work swimmingly yeah because they wouldn't yeah. be dragged into these events i loved war of the realms 
Mm. I read every one of the tie-ins twice, at least. Oh my gosh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's read fucking my article. nuts. But um, <laughs> uh, some of them did not need to be there. Some of them yeah. did not need to cross over. The one there were some that did, and they worked out perfectly. But at the same time, the event happened, and reflecting it in the books was really nice because you got to see, oh, well, this is what these characters were doing at that time. Mm-hmm. And you had it happen. I kind of wish that sort of, that books would acknowledge that events happened, but not necessarily have to dramatize what happened during them. That's, that's kind of the Bendis influence right. of what I was talking about, like where you get the event, like maybe a storyline is running through and then issue 10 happens, which is, you know, a month after the event wraps up and you kind of get, like a little caption box or whatever. I'd like the person says, Oh, this is what I was doing during the event or acknowledges, Oh, the event has passed. And they, it clearly happened time between the two, between mm-hmm. whatever the previous arc was and the next one. So you could situate the story in the larger universe without having to be bogged down by the events themselves. Sure. Um, so empire, yeah, I th- empire, you know, we don't know. Like, again, we don't know. We don't know a lot, but I think, I think there's an sort of an interesting opportunity here, um, especially in the way that Marvel has sort of paced the like Marvel Comics a thousand to incoming to this. No, and maybe don't forget one thousand one. One thousand. Everybody <laughs> forgot one thousand. There's nothing in there. Like or to like to this and to, like whatever beyond. Like I think that's sort of like an interesting setup of like every every few months you have like an anthology story that's telling a bunch of different things here, all these things that are happening in the universe. And then like Mm -hmm. that leads to something bigger and broader that maybe like launches a bunch of books and some books, takes some books into a different iteration. So yeah, I don't know. It could be, could be cool. Could be not cool. I'm excited for incoming. I wish that we could talk about it this episode, but we'll have to wait until after Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, Lastly, since we've talked, hinted a little bit about our feelings about this, um, uh, Marvel announced uh, in the last uh, couple weeks two new Dawn of X books that are going to be launching in March of 2020. Um, the first one is a book called Hellions, which is a team book written by Zeb Wells and illustrated by Steven Segovia, featuring the mutants, some of them that I've not really ever heard of, but that's because I'm not as versed in X-Men lore as other people. Wild Child, Nanny, Orphan Maker, seems like not a name that should exist nope. in 2019. Empath, okay. Uh, Scalp Hunter, y- uh, yep. Havoc, Psylocke, and Mr. Sinister. So that one's coming out in March of 2020. And then a, a solo cable title coming out in March of 2020 was announced this week. Not <laughs> Old Man Cable, but sexy like 20-year-old cable uh, written by uh, Marauders writer Jerry Duggan, illustrated by uh, Phil Noto. These two books, along with Wolverine, giant size x-men i'm not missing any of like the wave wave two or new books coming out january february march i think that's it yeah okay okay we also know that we're getting an x-core book that was teased a book called x-core that carmen canero is going to be the artist on that was teased in in her sort of ending of leaving captain marvel as the main artist we know that in wave two it was announced back at new york comic-con that that Leah Williams and Vita Ayala would be getting wave two Dawn of X books, which we might have a hint towards in the I second hope half we of the get episode. Those announcements soon. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
this is what we got right now. So Elias, um, general thoughts on those two books and then sort of the the state of the wave two of the Dawn of X books or where Dawn of X is right now even. Go ahead. I have, I think, negative interest in both of these books. <laughs> uh, Why so? Well, I, I never really cared for Cable uh, to start and a uh, sexy 20-year-old Cable just about the same level of enthusiasm for uh, pocket gun cable. You're not into you're not into sexy cable. I'm not into cable. Period. He could shoot you and steal your money at the same time. I or... guess. I guess. Uh, the only reason I might pick up that book is because Phil Noto is drawing uh, and or is illustrating like it. And Phil, Mo- Phil Noto, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've really seen interiors, and that's that's got me excited enough. And I, th- I think Jared Dugan could, could is going to bring. Uh, if he brings the kind of energy he brought to Analog uh, or Dead Eyes, I think this could be a really good comic. Are those, his, are those image books that he did? Yeah, they're both they're both his image books. I loved Analog, okay. and Dead Eyes finally survived uh, trademark hell uh, to to put its third issue out. But I just don't really have any interest. And and Helion sounds like Suicide Squad, but uh, X Men. Sure. And unle- until. I think I think part of what's what, why I'm not excited uh, in the same. I granted I wasn't really excited for any of the six Dawn of, uh, of X Wave One books. Uh, I was mm-hmm. more excited to see what the field was going to look like because House of X, Powers of X was just so good. I wanted to check yeah. out all of the next titles and see which ones would connect. And about half of them connected with me. Yeah. The other half. So, kind of, sort of. Um, I fell behind because Marvel marveled, and since we've gotten four or five issues in two months of each, and that's untenably fast. I think, I think that's my problem with Wave Two right now is that it's happening too soon, and we had you, we didn't really get the drop. It, it doesn't feel like a Wave Two. It feels more like uh, uh, the the second part of a tsunami <laughs> we're being drowned yeah. in x books yeah uh, and i can't muster the energy to be like yeah i'm excited for these titles only because i kind of want there to be an ebb and flow a book books come in they have a couple arcs and they kind of like we feel them kind of winding down and maybe if they're really good they continue a couple drop off some come in um that sort of thing i marvel's just really bad at telling us when books are running when books aren't mm-hmm. when books are ending and it'd be much nicer to ha- to know when they're actually ending yeah so i'm a little bit of two minds in this one and it maybe goes back to some of the discussion that we were having off air before the show i kind of like committed to myself after reading house of x and powers of 10 this summer that i really wanted to buy all of the x-men books of the dawn of x like era like i wanted to read them all like have them all because I was like, this is going to be something very, very exciting. This is going to be like my first like all in foray into the X-Men. Um, and I like wanted to kind of commemorate that and that be really exciting. At the same time, I like, absolutely agree with you that we're like getting a wave two. It doesn't seem like very, I mean, it seems very quickly insofar as it's only been, it'll only have been like four or five months since wave one was announced. At the same time, there will be like seven or eight issues of, all of the wave one books that'll have been out by the time that this like wave two is going to start. So in that sense, it's like, okay, we've progressed like an arc or two in all of those stories, but all of them are still kind of going. 
And it seems like, because I feel like something like Hellions is probably just going to get like an arc or two, kind of like Fallen Angels, and then it'll fall off. So I'm like, it would be fun to read all of these in trade, maybe, because it seems like some of these are mini series that are kind of coming out, like stealthy mini series that oh, would be fun to right. like so much. I it's so like it's it's kind of annoying, oh. um, but like I could see like Wolverine and Cable being ongoing things. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it seems it seems very rushed. Like I absolutely agree with that sentiment. It seems also get it's getting to the point that it will be like impossible to buy all of the books and like read all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, just and because was, like I don't have fifty dollars a month to shell out on X Men titles. Yeah, that um, was what I really liked about Dawn of X, at least the way the way that I thought it was going to be, which is you get six titles a month, and those six titles will continue for however long, uh, at least one arc, hopefully two, and then maybe beyond if they're really good, but. I kind of wish there was a little bit more built-in finality, especially if it's reflecting this idea that Hickman canceled all of the X-Books and said, we're starting from scratch, we're starting from this really focused point. I feel like we're kind of losing that focus. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other part of it, too, is I'm still very excited about like Leia Williams and Vita Ayala doing books and like, because they seem like they're going to be new and different books. Like whenever that X core book eventually comes out, I don't know if it'll be one of them writing it, but like that seems something new, like something new and different mm-hmm. and granted like a Hellions book, because I don't really know the history of that team or like any of those characters. Yeah. Super well, like that could be really fun and cool. I kind of know things about cable. Um, so like, I'm excited about things that are new and different because Hoxpox was, like new and different the other the other um like side of the coin is that i like the idea of there being a lot of books just because i want to acknowledge like the reality that there are like a ton of different things happening on krakoa because it's like a nation now and they like a nation has like bukus of citizens and there are a lot of mutants and so it could be really cool to have a bunch of different X, like Dawn of X books at the same time as we're trying to establish this idea that Krakoa is like people kind of like we were talking about with event stuff a second ago. And there are like a lot of different things happening. Um, I don't know that I can afford to pay for all of those books. <laughs> and I don't know that regular people can, unless they, you know, buy them on sale digitally on comiXology, which maybe like, you know, maybe I just need to be patient and like trade weight more for Dawn of X stuff. Um, Especially if it's a book that you don't really connect with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like if, if you know, um, like since our recording our, our sort of ranking things, like I've come back around on Fallen Angels and I think it's not super great. Like if I just yes, wanted to like... Drop, yes, like, stop join me. Yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to stop reading it and like read the entire thing in trade when it comes out and, you know, like kill an hour um, and have a drink during and kind of come out on the other side and be like, okay, that was all right. Um, you know, like that could be fun or, mm-hmm. you know, preferable. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm still, I'm still like really interested in the universe and like the oh, sort of totally. world. Yeah. I'm interested in, in all the ideas. It's just like, I think some of the like execution is, is stopping me from enjoying. Yeah. All of it fully. And I'm going to give, I'm definitely going to give all the, give the titles a, a fair shot. I'm gonna yeah. 
I'm going to see, well, is it, do I like this enough to want to read it week by week or month by month mm. or bi-weekly, however they decide to release it? Yeah. Eh, or am I just going to say, you know what? I'll wait for the trade or I don't even want to read this one. Hopefully none of the books are like that. Um, sure. That's always, that's always a bummer. But I, th- I think, I think you're right with that. If there are more and more titles, it feels more like a world unto itself. It feels more like a line and imprint for, mm-hmm. you know, Marvel where it's, you've got the X books and the X books are 20% of the line and you've got mm-hmm. stuff for people who want something that's teen comedy. You've got the thing that's, you know, super serious sci-fi. You've got bonkers space adventure. You've got pirates. <laughs> uh, you, you've got your more traditional Gur Arg 90s shoot 'em ups. That's a terrible description of X Force, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- th- there are all of these books that they appeal to different audiences and they are yeah. so connected and they reflect each other in those really uh, simple ways where uh, like the death of Xavier ripples out from that book into all of the others that, that are published after it um, or whatever the heck Hickman is doing in his main X book I mean that's not really that hasn't uh moved out from where it is but yeah that's just like still sort of like spinning i think it's going to be like six issues of here are like a bunch of villains that are going to appear over the next couple years have at it yeah Um, and that's and that's fine it's just like more frustrating to read issue by issue but yeah i think and and i think like the other like as you were as you were talking just now the other thing i was thinking is that like most people don't consume comics the way that like people who write about comics do like most people oh, are yeah. buying like, a handful of titles. They, if they don't like something, they stop reading it. They put it down. Um, and we like force ourselves to read a lot of books while they're yeah. happening. Um, and so that's different for a lot of other people. Like X force might be somebody's like shit. Like that just might be the, like the thing. And like oh, the yeah. only Don book that they're reading. Whereas like I'm trying to read all of them. And that's, that's another thing too. So Yep. We'll so, see. Yeah. We'll see how it shakes out. And yeah, uh, I mean, these books are coming out eight months after the, the, the others, maybe not eight months, but enough, enough issues that it, it's far enough into them uh, that it actually will feel like a wave two. And hopefully wave two coincides with something happening and not just the books showing up. Yeah. Uh, I think that that might be one of those those undercurrent fears that that's going on. And I'm like, well, why are these books coming out now? What mm-hmm. what what do they reflect? The all six of the books that are coming out right now reflect the new nation state of Krakoa, and they're all reflecting different aspects of it. You've got questions going on. You've got people who are like, I don't fit in here, even though it's supposed to be this utopian area. Uh, and they're all kind of challenging a lot of the assumptions that are brought, that are presented through the the opening mini or the opening maxi. Mm-hmm. And while the main X book is kind of moving along in that vein, all of the others are commenting on and talking with, they're in conversation with it. And I'm wondering where these new books are going to fit in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
Well, cool. Well, we'll, we'll hang it up there. Uh, folks, there's a lot to look forward to in 2020. Um, as we talked about, or maybe just a lot of stuff to be curious about, but Marvel is already sort of spinning, um, all of the big things that they're planning for the coming year. So stick with us and we'll guide you through all of it. But until then, we're going to take a brief break here. And then in the second part of the episode, we're going to get to reviewing some of the books that have ended here at the end of 2019. So we will see you then. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we're back. For this second part of the episode, we're going to be looking at three comics that actually came out this week um, that are all uh, endings for books that are uh, ending here as we prepare to begin the new year. Marvel's got a lot of sort of many events that are sort of hanging in the air right now. There's the Annihilation Scourge event that also wrapped up uh, here at the end of December in the 2099 event that was running through um, Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man stuff. So we're not going to be looking at those, um, but we're going to be looking at um, the end of Gwenpool, Gwenpool Strikes Back, the end of that five issue miniseries, the end of uh, Donny Cates' Guardians of the Galaxy book, and then also the end of the King Thor miniseries, which marks the true, true end of Jason Aaron's time doing the Thor books. We've unlocked it. We've unlocked true ending. We only had We've to play the game. True, true endings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the, the special final ending once you like 100% everything. Starting next month, Marvel's got a lot of books that are sort of beginning with new number ones. Guardians of the Galaxy is starting over. Thor is starting over. Um, there's a lot of fun things coming in January, but there's a lot of endings now. And then next week, the uh, end of 2019, uh, Marvel, I think is putting out four books. One of them is incoming. One of them is the first issue of the new Doctor Strange book. Um, and there's some others, but whatever. So we're going to be looking at those three books uh this episode so we're going to start with gwenpool strikes back number five written by leigh williams who's been writing this whole miniseries illustrated by david baldion who's been the artist on all five issues colored by jesus abertov and guru effects and then lettered by joe uh carmagna so this has been sort of uh gwenpool's last hoorah in some ways as um and it's been sort of a meta romp through Gwenpool things Gwenpool being a character who kind of came about on a whim and is a character that um has is from our world is from like our earth and thinks that all of the Marvel characters are comic book characters and so this has been her grappling with her, the idea that she might not ever appear in a comic book again um and this last issue was nuts so Elias we'll start with you um, what were sort of your thoughts on this last issue of the Gwenpool mini? Have you been reading it all the way through every yeah. every month for the last every few month? month. Okay. This this okay. book, full disclosure, I did not like Gwenpool 
when she first appeared in the Marvel Universe. Uh, yeah, I, same. I haven't read I haven't read that whole series at all. I did not like her. I did not like it very much. Granted, I didn't give it a full shake. I, I read one, maybe two issues, uh, and then dropped the series because I just it, it it did it was not interesting to me. Um, and I think part of that might have just been the knee jerk reaction of more Gwens and also more Deadpool. Please no, right? Please no more Deadpool. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. but we've kind of moved past the like height of Deadpool popularity. We have, which is kind of nice. A part of. That means Gwen as a character can move into her, her own, which I think Lay, Lay and before her Kelly Thompson kind of did really well. Thompson resituated her within the, the dynamic of this team um, and, and kind of t- tamped down some of the, the meta aspects simply by, by, by virtue of it being in a different book. And Lay brought all that back and, and like, kind of crashing in. Uh, and that's kind of what the whole kind of series felt like. It felt like Gwen crashing and crumbling and, and, and kind of falling to try and find who she is. Like, who, she, who is she in the Marvel Universe when she doesn't have her, her book? Her book was her. Like, the, the two were inextricably linked. And when she would appear elsewhere, it, it often felt forced. I think Thompson yeah. was one of the first people to really kind of work Gwenpool well into the the fabric of the Marvel universe. Uh, but I think I think Lay took that to a whole new level by also then kind of turning around and saying, "Here's Gwen at the beginning of the series," and everyone who probably had read the her original series went, "But that's not the Gwen I know. She's kind of evil. <laughs> Maybe not evil, yeah. but like inex." explainably mean like all of these things she did it, it was it was very as marvel says manic um issue and that was kind of the whole point of the this was it it was about her um it was about figuring herself out and finding her place in the marvel universe when she was kind of railing against trying to create it she was trying trying to build her own place I, don't know, I I I really liked the, this ending. I think it was it was a great way to integrate her into the universe to give her a place that would allow her to survive for you know as as a background character and then possibly coming out in the foreground. I kind of want to talk about that later because I want to hear your yeah. thoughts on it first. Um, but before that, I also really I think I really liked Lay's approach to humor, which is it's very internety. It's a lot of the stuff that that it's irreverent, and it's the stuff that made Deadpool Deadpool, but for 2019, it was it was it was building on that aspect of a character that I don't know. Maybe it was more so in the main book, but for the the feeling I get at least from Hastings was that the book was more it it it, it leaned more on the meta aspect. And less on the well, what is Deadpool in 2019? Deadpool is the mashing up of these characters. Is kind of the is is that what if we took Superman and Captain America and smushed them together and made and and the age old who would win in a fight? All of those fan impulses put into a character, and then what does that look like now? Yeah, I think. Um... So, like you, I didn't read uh, really very, very much of or gave like a fair shake to the like 
Hastings, um, Gurahiru, uh, uh, Gwenpool stuff. Even though I really like uh, like Gurahiru's like art, I yeah. should, and I should probably go back and read. Writer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I kind of thought it was sort of like like C list Deadpool whatever stuff, and like Deadpool really as a character has not ever been someone that I have been super fascinated with. No, Although I think like I think like now there's a lot of it's been tempered off in the um, like Deadpool's become so popular that kind of a lot of the kind of like meta commentary and like cynicism that you can do and and sort of like like the truth bomb the kind of like truth that you can can say when you're like doing meta commentary which i think is like what things like like meta commentary when you like play when you have a character that knows they're in a comic book and plays with that format um in the same way like the kinds of things that you can do with like with that and satire are things like you can just say things that are true and i don't think deadpool can do that anymore because he's worth a lot more money than something like this is <laughs> but like this like this series i've really really enjoyed like i feel like I've read, I guess, a handful of books in the last year, last year and a half that have had characters that were self-aware. And sometimes they're like self-aware to a level of sort of like frustration and anger and like in kind of inhumanness. Like they like I think like a boundary you can cross when having a narrator that knows they're speaking to an audience breaking the fourth wall is that like they almost become not so much a character in themselves, but just sort of like a vehicle to kind of like be a dick or um, not say anything important. And I think like, I think Gwenpool, I think Gwen in this book, especially this issue, because I think this issue sticks to the landing. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, kind of points out, like there was a lot of things about um, like, she's like, kind of has this existential crisis of I'm this character who is like from the, the quote unquote real world in this comic book world and I just want to matter. Like, I just want to matter to someone. Um, and that sort of like struggle, that sort of like level of anxiety, like the level of like what Miss Marvel points out, the sort of like manic crisis of, I just want to matter to someone. So I'm going to like orchestrate this huge fucking weird, uh, like fight thing. Um, I just, I think that's like brilliant and human and relatable. Like, even though Gwenpool knows that she's talking to us, she still like acts like a person. And that's like the thing that I really enjoyed about this five issue miniseries, this issue specifically Baldion's art and the whole art team, like that first page and all of the pages that have had the panels that like are angled differently. So that yeah. they look like they're not true comic book panels. Like I just have loved the hell and all of that. And this like first page where she like drops these bees on the Punisher. Like I was laughing so hard, just like watching this like loop of a thing. And it's like illustrated perfectly where it looks like it could be a loop. Like it's this sort of like 3d effect. Um, I just think it's great. I just think it's great. It's uh, a painting. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. That was the, I was like, there's some kind of painter that does <laughs> this. And I couldn't think it. Yeah. I'm thank you. Um, no yeah. I thought, I, I thought this, this issue is great. Um, and I think like it plays, I think it does not only like Gwen well, but it does like the characters in the Marvel universe. Well, like this is the most sincere, like Miss Marvel that I've seen also in a while. Um, G Willow Wilson's like whole Miss Marvel saga was, and is one of my favorite comic, most favorite comic book runs ever. Mm-hmm. And I think like Salad on Ahmed's current stuff with Miki Young is like, okay, but I don't think it is like as good as what like Wilson did. But I think like reading this, like there's just like a level of, of, of kindness and care that like Kamala has. That's not 
because there's sometimes like that I was reading like like champions like with Wade and then with Zub that I'm like Miss Marvel's just going and like kind of fighting and I think like her first instinct always is probably let's have a conversation about this she's squirrel she's like squirrel girl in that respect yeah yeah like she's like I have these powers and I have a responsibility and the responsibility is not always punching people and I just liked I liked so much about this issue and especially especially the way that it ties in with all of the Don of X things if we want to head in that direction I don't know if that's too soon or if you have other things that you wanted to say I think I mean that was kind of what I wanted to talk about next but Mm -hmm. I I just I kind of I wanted to highlight just the one page where this i guess retcon yeah where where i guess the retcon is created and planted and uh, and whatnot uh and where it introduces this ambiguity uh i just love that page it's the whole team's firing on on full cylinders with and that last panel oh i think i all i almost cried at that one i may have i can't remember Mm. but it's just one the page, page. The page where she's like kind of going through her origin. Where she's going of, through and... her origin and, and there's just that, that green stop in the background where yeah. the splotches and, and it looks, honestly, it looks kind of like someone got shot. Uh, it, you know, that, that splatter effect. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's heartrending. But never would have expected that from issue one of, Gwenpool strikes again, where she talks about the trash pandas and putting uh, <laughs> Tony and Steve in the uh, "We Get Along Now" shirt. Yeah, that was also really funny. <laughs> um, Such a great game. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you were saying. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I think that's sort of a perfect encapsulation of like the way that 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 Williams and Baldion portray in this issue, like a level of like humanity that that Gwen has, even though she's like self aware and knows she's like being controlled. She like is also a human being that has trauma and is also um, like a human being that like, that feels things like she has mm-hmm. all this power, but she still is like a, a very like feeling um, like entity and character and uh, like a way that like is really, I think is like really powerful and really palpable. I, I really liked that page too. Like I, I think I like you was like, Oh my God, this is, and because it, it, it's like it's it's the feeling of of sort of like the like the existential like dread and anxiety and like this like this that and the other that I think that a lot of people like understand. Um, and there was a, like I got to that yeah I got to like that page and I was like oh this is this seems like this seems very real like I can I can empathize with this feeling of the idea of like my being is protecting me from like things and events and, and ideas that like, I'm not ready to like fully comprehend. Um, in a way too, that I think is like not peppered by not peppered, but is like shifted with, because then like that, that page shifts to then the page where she's like, okay, I'm just going to go off into the ether and like die and sort of like the comic book character death of no one's ever going to touch me again. to then like, the page after she's interacted with Wolverine and, and Quinn choir on Krakoa to like, there's so many possibilities of where this story can go. Um, and like, that's like, like those two panels, like not even just like the, the, the meta commentary of like, there are a million ways that this story could go. You just have to like be 
sort of creative enough to see the possibilities of a character that thinks that she's from the real world and now is like a mutant. Um, like the ways that like an individual's like life and an individual story goes, even though like there's this questioning of will my, my will my life make a difference or do I matter or is any of this worth it? And so on and so forth in that realm of thought. Yeah. I I think this was the best way to bring her in. Also, I loved I love how there's a data page. Yeah. So that's what I yeah. That sold it. That was beautiful. Yeah. I uh, but I think what what I'm this is me kind of reading that page wherein like what I said it, the ambiguity is this could be her origin. This could legitimately be the way she sees, or, or, or this could be her mutant power. It could have always been her mutant power. Um, sure. And she, and whatever the trauma of that, and so it's another commentary on trauma, or she at, she is from the real world and moved in here, but in doing so, she had her place and is now has now retconned herself to having received the powers, like received mutant powers once she entered the universe and the mutant powers were to exploit the comic book that she's in. So there's a few different ways of reading what happens to her here at the end because unequivocally she is now considered a mutant. That's why she's welcomed on Krakoa. She's she's brought uh, all this. Mm-hmm. And she, she still has kind of that... I guess she's got imposter syndrome. Yeah. She doesn't feel like she's really a mutant. Like she somehow cheated uh, her way through when, I mean, reality manipulation isn't exactly uncommon (laughs) in the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. Her brand is uh, like Deadpool can't even do that. He can kind of comment on it and walk outside, but not to the same extent that she does. Uh, right, and that's not really that. Like that's not his mutant power. That's just kind of there. Maybe it's yeah. part of his mutant set. I don't know. But the ability to see the bounds of reality and and transcend them is, I guess, her mutant ability now. I think that's so cool. I just think that's so cool. And the the data page is so cool, especially like with the added effect of like the post-it note Um, (laughs) yes you can't control me and i will never die and i will never fucking die yeah but yeah making her a mutant now gives her the ability to melt into the background but have a tether to the main marvel universe and to be used in any of these books she sees quentin again quentin's also is it, it her tether at the beginning, she she broke that off, and that may have that and like the West Coast Avengers were one of her few remaining ties to the main Marvel universe. Like without that, she was she was alienating herself. Yeah, throughout this mini, and and that feels intentional on Lay's part, especially in the way she talked about how her characterization of of Gwen at the beginning was supposed to be off, especially in like the solicit texts. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I thought this was a really, you know, one of those series is that, I don't know, people might forget it, but I really hope they don't. This was, this was something special, and yeah. 
I did not expect it to be as special as it was. I expected it to be great. Like Williams has not disappointed yet. But it felt like a comic book that took advantage of the comic book medium in ways yeah, that absolutely aren't. Yeah, I remember I remember it being announced and I was kind of like, well, sure. Okay. But like having now read it, like I totally agree with you. This is this is a book that is like is definitely special. And there's so many times that I like read comics and read like individual series or or like read something that like creators that I have liked in other places are putting out and I think this book only exists to fulfill some sort of like editorial mandate or to fulfill some sort of like necessary need for a world. And so I'm always surprised by the books that like really truly take advantage of the fact that they're comic books and also like produce something sort of beautiful, even though they might be fulfilling some sort of like get this character from here to here and this, in this span of time or whatever. But I think all the things that this like book had to say were really, really powerful and, and just really fun and just really fun. And even too, like, I think maybe like there's a possibility that uh, like Gwenpool might appear again in whatever book that Leigh Williams is going to write in the like Dawn of X era. And that would be fun because I think she's like established that she has like a real handle on this character. And I would totally be up for that. Um, yeah. Cause I really enjoyed her in, in uh, I really enjoyed Gwen's role in like the West Coast Avengers stuff. But even if not, like if this is like the last time that anyone ever really interacts with this character, um, this is like this is a good this is a good ending. Like this is a good a good way to do it. And I this is a book that I hope people remember and it's fun. Um, and like you you go immediately from the data page to like a Looney Tune send off. Yeah, and. And it's just, well, it's there's just no one priceless. page in between. Right. Okay. Okay. One page in between. But still, um, there's so many, there's so many references, just so much, just so much going on. Like, I don't know. I think it's fun. I just think it's so fun. I just think it's so fun. And speaking of fun, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 12. Number that 12. That wasn't so. uh, happy <laughs> and upbeat at all. <laughs> You're showing your cards. Um, yeah, so we'll move on to Guardians of the Galaxy number 12, uh, written by Johnny Cates, illustrated by multiple creative teams. Uh, we had some some back... So we had the main creative team of Corey Smith and Victor uh, Olazaba, colored by Dave David Curiel. And then we had some other um, double-page spreads, background... Or not background, Jesus. Uh, flashback. Wow. Uh, pages um, from Jeff Shaw, Dylan Burnett, Ariel Olivetti, Trad Moore, colored by Curiel, Antonio Fabella, Dave Stewart, all of it lettered by Corey Petit. Um, this is the last issue of Donny Cates's 12 issue run, now that we know, on Guardians of the Galaxy, um, as the book is being relaunched next month. Yay. And this was kind of billed as tying together, yay, all the threads of. Cates's sort of cosmic stuff from his Thanos run to this to death of the Inhumans to Silver Silver Black, um, but it kind of ends in a whimper. Uh, anyway, uh, what were your sort of uh, thoughts on this book, uh, Elias? I don't know, man. I was expecting something more. I think yeah. I think part why I was expecting something more is I also expected this run to last more than 12 damn issues. I think, I think Kate's moving on after 12 issues was the wrong move. 
Uh, I think he should have uh, sat with this title for longer. Um, but the, the reason why he might not be sitting with it is because he was doing Venom and Absolute Carnage uh, and uh, was moving to Thor now. But I think Guardians of the Galaxy could have been more than it was. I think the seeds were there, and I think I, it just felt like this ending was rushed. Like there, there were four or five different stories that were all kind of smushed together. Um, and I, I sort of felt this way during the first the first arc, but the first arc felt like the opening to a grander adventure. It's like, look at all these people. Look at all that. It's the hunt for Thanos. Thanos is dead. Long live Thanos. But when we got to the Faithless. I don't know. It just felt lackluster and empty. We had, we had, I, I was expect, I guess maybe it's because of my ex expectations. I expected this to be more about rocket. I expected this to be the death of rocket that was teased. And, and it kind of is, but he's, he's buried and lost in, in the, the, the guardians that, you know, came from the movies. Most of them, uh, it's yeah. drawn beautifully, but yeah. the story never really found its way. And that reveal with old man, purple thumb, ugh, I saw that and I, I almost stopped. I almost stopped reading. That was stupid. Yeah, that, that was, was stupid. So I agree with that. Um, I so don't I, think, I, I like, like, could tell you why. I wish I could articulate why I thought that reveal just didn't click it didn't gel with any of what he did in his thanos book maybe it did and i just need to reread it but so i missed death of the inhuman so maybe there was something in that um no there wasn't okay there wasn't. good yeah. good to know um no but that and then the splash pages they're kind of nice but again they didn't do like, anything. They weren't earned. We didn't have enough time with the with these people for this to feel like that kind of send off ending of it was all building to this because it was all building to this. Mm -hmm. This this isn't the end of this. Doesn't feel like the end in the tying of his cosmic stuff. Um, this it kind of just felt like here's some pages that are some greatest hits. What did <laughs> Rocket? What did I miss? Some beautiful spreads that tell me absolutely nothing other than here's some heroes, pew, pew, pew. pew. Yeah, yeah, that was, so I think you encapsulated a lot of my thoughts on this too, because I really enjoyed the first arc of this book. And I also liked the second arc for the most part. Um, like, I think that what what Kate's, what Kate's and Shaw did on the first arc was really, really great. And Excuse me. Sorry, I burped again. Uh, I <laughs> muted it this time, so you don't have to hear it. Uh, uh, what Kate Shaw did on the first arc was really, really fun and built out of all of the um, Infinity, Infinity's End or whatever the Infinity Wars or the hell that book was called stuff. Um, because I felt like like Duggan's run on the Guardians was trying to be too much the movie version, and I feel like Kate's brought him back to like a happy medium of yeah focusing right. on these characters that people have now heard about, but like doing something fun and different, um, and like a little bit more serious. And I felt like the first arc of this book did that, and the second arc started to do that. And I think this issue specifically was billed as sort of like culminating all of those different arcs, 
and I liked the book right up until the point that it was like you just said, like the tie in to Kate's other stuff, because all of a sudden it was like they send the the Church of the Universe or whatever. It's like back to their time and they just encap- they just encounter Thanos again. Yeah. The Thanos. I had forgotten the they came that- from the future, honestly. I thought, yeah, I did too. I thought I was like, where are they sending them? They're sending them in the past. Oh, yeah. they're sending them in the future. Um, and then, like, the really only sort of like tie-in and culmination of everything was you know, I, oh, the fact that Rocket was like, "Hey, what did I miss?" And yeah. like, ah, oh, well, here's some double-page spreads. And then Silver Surfer makes a joke, which was kind of funny after all the double-page spreads. But it was like, why did you need all these artists? Why did this comic need to be five dollars? Um, why? It just why? Of, why is Silver Surfer back here now? Yeah, yeah. Well, because he was in. He like, was in he the, out the of ship. The, the black hole at the end of Silver Surfer Black Five. Yeah, but why is he here? He didn't yeah. really let no rocket. He got well. He got captured by the 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 church or whatever thing. So he was like in that whole spiel. Clearly, I but, remember a lot of this arc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do think I should have picked up that it that Thanos was death because I just relooked through the panels and uh, uh, what's his Star Lord's father is like uh, we will he's referring to his death. Yeah, I'm like wait, death is personified as female as a in woman. And, yeah. still stupid. Yeah, I I saw that the first like the read through and I was like, why is he referring to death? as a he death as a woman. And then it was like, Oh, they're from the future. They're from the Thanos timeline. But that seems like a really kind of poor connection. Like it didn't feel like, like as much as I loved this run for solidifying, uh, the characterization of all those characters, uh, as different than their movie counterparts and sort of more serious and more <laughs> interesting and fun. Cause I really did like it for that. And I think that's most of the reason why I was endeared to this arc. Um, the sort of ending kind of came with the whimper and I'm fine. I guess I'm fine with it insofar as it's like, Oh, they saved rocket. They're like a happy family again. Everything's good on that front. I'm all good with that stuff. And then we get a new number one. And we get a new number one and I'm okay with, I think I'm okay with that. And I think I'm okay with Ewing writing it because I think it's tying into his like Avengers, um, no road home stuff. Cause that's when, all of the Greek gods yeah. stuff that they've teased and solicits happened. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and that seems like his story to tell. And I'm cool with that. I just, I feel like the hamfisted attempt to, to make all of this sort of like gel and cohere with all the other cosmic stuff that Kate's is doing and for them to like hype it as a, Oh, this is a culmination. I didn't really feel that. And that's where I felt like it fell short. Like I was totally fine with this issue as the ending to this arc until the point that it came to yeah. sort of make it cohere. Cause like those double page spreads are pretty, but they don't add anything. Like they don't add anything to the story at all. Yeah. I think part of my problem with that is also, I didn't like the arc as much as you did. Um, Cause I feel like the, the arc itself was kind of bloated and that be, be, this being the end of the arc, it was a good end to the arc, a little rushed, but it was a good end to the arc itself, but as the end to this series, and then also to be the end of, I don't know what the quadrology, because you got Thanos wins, yeah. Death of the Inhumans, Silver Surfer Black, 
Guardians. Yeah, Quadrology. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's bad. Yeah. It's a terrible yeah. ending to that. Now, if it was more loosely connected, like... Or, or maybe if it wasn't built or hyped as much as, like, like the Coronado Trilogy. Um, do, you mm-hmm. know, do you know that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so something where... They got nothing to do with each other except that they all eat a different flavor of ice cream in each one and it's a different genre. That's kind of what these series has felt like. They're all cosmic, they're all Kate, and they all kind of riff on the same themes. Uh, kind of like how King riffs on similar themes across his books. Don't always love them. But that mm-hmm. there, there's that cycle, there's that, that kind, kind of unity, unity through disparateness. And yeah. Thanos wins, and oh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. That was also no, but Cosmic Ghost Rider. The series wasn't written by him, but he did bring it in. No, it was. was Yeah, the Cosmic Ghost. The main, the main one was written by him and Dylan Burnett. There's a new one coming out that's going to be written by. Wait, he did write the the Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys. Oh, not the not the destroy. He wrote the he wrote the first one. Um, and then there's like the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Baby Thanos must die. One. He did write it. Yeah, he wrote the Baby Thanos must die one. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, cosmic. Yeah. That's just Cosmic Ghost Rider. And that was the so the second page with Dylan Burnett as the artist. That's what that one's referencing. There was another yeah. series that was like Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys the Marvel Universe. Right. He didn't. He didn't write that one. And he there's did. a third one. Okay. So no, I'm sorry. Right the Quintology. Uh, okay. Because they Thanos to Cosmic Ghost Rider. That connection is clear. I don't know how Death of the Inhumans ties into any of this. Yeah, I don't um, remember either. Other than the fact uh, that Lockjaw and Beta Ray Bill are maybe that's it because they were in that. But that's that feels kind of win- that feels kind of weak to call it the culmination of his yeah. stuff. But then again, it is. It's it's him rat- sure. tying a bow on all his cosmic stuff, and they're not. It wasn't plot connected, but it was character connected, and the characters continued through. Now, then again, Guardians of the Galaxy featured these other characters in woefully few few amounts. But I don't know. I I, I kind of wish I liked the the issue more than I did. Um, yeah, I liked it. I liked it as an ending to the arc. Yeah, and then everything after that, I was kind of like, eh. And I think it and and this can transition us into the next in the mm-hmm. next issue we're going to talk about. Um, because I was sort of really, I think like I read this before I read King Thor number four Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about, this is like, this is like a really poor tie up and ending to like all of this stuff. And I was frustrated with that because I feel like I've read a lot of endings lately that are, um, it seems like they could have gone on more or there was something else going on or they were like, they were an ending like a part of the story but like not a great ending to the other story and and i've been and i was thinking about aaron's thor stuff kind of as i was reading guardians of the galaxy 12 because i feel like we've had like three or four endings to all of aaron's thor things um and i read king thor again and i and i have a different opinion on it now but i don't think this was like a proper sort of ending in the way that they wanted it to be to like all of the cosmic stuff that kate was kate's was doing the last couple years and maybe some of that stuff will pan out more in this Thor run. I don't know. Or like it'll come back in Venom. I, I hope see. not. <laughs> I, I hope kind of in some ways. I, I, yeah, I, I hope I in some way, but you, you keep going. 
keep going. Okay, I'll, I'll come but back that, because, but, yeah. But I like. I think. I think like that. That sense of like, of of, and it's been at like both of the big two, um, companies like letting something end in one in like a series like instead of like letting something continue to carry over into a bunch of other series Mm -hmm. like the i think like a like the big two in some way have lost the ability to let a story end with like a specific ending of it of a series issue i want to continue to goad you into buying other issues and buying other series and continuing and like continue the story um and like in some ways that makes sense because the universes never end like the universes are keep going are continuing to go. Um, mm-hmm. And like the store book reminds us of that. And like the ways that like Thor, like the Jason Aaron as the narrator has some of those ideas. Um, but I, sometimes I just want to read something that like is complete. And like, there's a sort of like satisfaction and perfection in like doing that. And it's not that you're not going to not continue to read other books in that universe, but like you just want that person's story to be done so that then the next person can tell their story and you can continue. Um, but that seems sort of like a lead in then to, so we're going to talk about King Thor, King Thor number four. I can't say four and Thor apparently because that's too difficult. Um, written by Jason Aaron, who this is his last Thor issue as he's been doing Thor things for the last seven years. Yeah. And there are a numerous, numerous artistic teams on this book. The main team is the team that's been on all four of these issues, Isad Ribic and Ive Sorcina. Um, but then there are also pages by Gabriel Hernandez Walta and Chris O'Halloran, Adriano Sorrentino and Dave Stewart, Chris Burnham and Nathan Fairburn, Nick Patara and Michael Garland, Aaron Cooter and Laura Martin, uh, Olivier Coipel and Laura Martin and then Russell Donnerman. No, Russell Donnerman, Matthew Wilson, and then lastly, Mike Del Mundo. All of this lettered by Joe Sabino, who has been on all of the Thor books and beyond since the uh, J. Michael Straczynski run on Which Thor back in the mid-aughts. Insane. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of Thor things. Yeah. He's made a career of it. Um, so this is the end of the four-issue King Thor series, which is sort of the epilogue epilogue of Aaron's Thor run after he finished the Thor series and the War of the Realm series. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elias, you've also, you've written a lot of, or you're writing a lot of Thor things uh, <laughs> for Multiversity right now. Um, so I know that you've read this whole run. How do you think that this sort of is, how do you feel about this issue as sort of a culmination of all of the Thor stuff as like, this is the true, true ending now? So, unlike with Guardians, I think, and and like you said, because I I think about this probably way too much, but this was thematically and 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 you know plot wise the perfect ending. It was the perfect ending to to cap off Thor, uh, not Thor, but the Jason Aaron's run across the different titles. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of those like numbering re- redo redos were probably because Marvel was like, "Oh, we're relaunching all our numbers," and he's like, "Well, what now?" But he, uh, they always made each of these relaunches feel important and feel like the story being told changes, even if the characters and the plot continues. The 
themes shift, the ideas shift a little bit, uh, and it's not like what happened with uh, Miss Marvel or uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Much as I love those, they got new number ones for no reason. Like those, those because of Secret Wars, those new number ones, there was no real point in them. Jason Aaron made it work. Um, he he did a really nice transition between Thor, Thor's, and then uh, the mighty Thor. Uh, and I think he did the same thing here with King Thor. He wrapped up Thor, 20, Thor 2018. He wrapped up War of the Realms, both with present-day Thor, he's done. Now we get a little bit of an epilogue to him here, but that it felt more like we came back to him and he had one last statement, but it, it wasn't following him anymore. He's done. Finished. Um, and then we end up coming back to, you know, old man Thor, uh, King Thor, at the end of time, at the end of everything, fighting his oldest enemy. And it's him, it's Loki, and it's King Thor. And that's the whole thing. And then in this issue, that wraps up, but we still get more we still get more stories, and that's kind of always been a part of a part of the blood of his run. It's been Thor is Thor's stories precede him. That he's lived all of these lives and all of these adventures, and he hasn't been the same throughout it. That he's always changing, he's always shifting, uh, and that over time we might not get the same Thor. We might not get the same characterization. He'll have adventures. He'll have these weird different things. He will die. He will come back. He will come back in different ways. And that that was sort of really interesting, too, how Aaron makes the statement that, you know, Thor has died. He'll come back at some point, kind of playing on that comics thing of, well, you know, uh, no hero ever dies, but... We kind of knew that because we've got this Thor all the way at the end of time. But we didn't, in between, we're like, well, how are we going to have the same Thor? Is he going to have the same lessons? Well, if he dies, he might forget them. But he always comes back and he always regains it. And there's kind of this core to him that plays out through his friends, through all of these other characters. And so when we reach the end... You know, I think it's the per. It's a fitting send off. It's a tear. It's a um. What's the word for it? A tearjerker. Yeah, uh, not really a tearjerker, but like, it is emotional. <laughs> emotional is That's the emotional. best. The best yeah. Move. Okay. Uh, it. You sound like you were saying tear things, and I was trying to do tear work. <laughs> oh, it was. I was also looking at a panel of of Thor crying and ah okay. Uh, but. This has the feel of, as I said before, it has the feel of an epic poem, or like one of those traditional old epics with this heavy narration, yeah. um, and kind of the poetic flowery language, uh, and the big events and the bombast, and it's, and those epics always end in tragedy, or they always end with the death of the main character, right. but it always also ends on a reiteration of who that character is, where they ended up, and kind of 
why why this was the ending for them for beowulf the ending him being killed by the dragon is because he never really learned how to not be a shithead uh and to keep Mm -hmm. chasing money like at the end he doesn't care about the people he cares about the money in the dragon's lair and that's why he dies uh for gilgamesh he's I've forgotten Gilgamesh, but <laughs> I'm like, but you I'm like, get it, yeah, yeah. He and his lover in Kidu, but I don't remember how he went out. But those those sorts of stories, that's that's how they end. And the same thing is mm-hmm. here. We followed him till his, he was king. We followed him till he was at the literal end of the universe and restarted it with himself. And right. I don't know. I I think the idea that stories live on beyond us and that that is what we end up learning them from, or we, we end up learning about them, about people through the stories that are told. That's inevitably the legacy, not necessarily the life, not necessarily who they actually were, but who, what people thought they were. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's a really good point because I think when I've talked about like Aaron's Thor run on this show prior, I've sort of been frustrated because I thought like, oh, War of the Realms was going to be the end, and then oh, I was like, oh yeah, the yeah. Thor ep- epilogues after we're going to be the end, and like, no, King Thor is going to be the end, and now we're getting these four King Thor issues, and like, oh, now all the artists that have been on all of the Thor things that he's he's done are going to be in this in this last issue, and they all get a thing, and this is going to be an oversized comic, and I've kind of been just like frustrated, I'm like I just want the damn thing to end because I want like an ending, um, but I think. I think, and, and that was sort of my attitude going into this issue um, of just like, I don't know why this miniseries has been necessary because um, like War of the Realms seemed like a pretty apt cap on all of the sort of main themes that Aaron was working with about like worthiness and about sort of like working into like your legacy and like working up to like being a god that is like worthy of sort of being. Um, an entity or a person that is like worthy of being revealed. And like Thor got there at the end of the war of the realms because like he becomes the all father. Mm-hmm. But this deals with like that last lingering thread from like the very beginning of the run about like the old, the old all father, which like Thor at like the end of his life, which, you know, which comes back in war of the realms, but like was back there at the beginning. Um, but the way that he caps this issue and the way that like he talks about it, especially in the, like, I'm always a sucker for the way that writers, um, right there, like last two raws and the letters that they yeah. uh, put out, like when they're ending a series. Like I'm, I, I, I just love. I eat that stuff up, and it like makes me cry because it's just like they've lived with these characters for much longer than I have, and like lived with them in like a more um, sort of like emotional and intentional and like an, an internal way than I have as like a consumer of the things that they're putting out. Um, but he really like sells. I think for me, the necessity of this. Um, miniseries in this last issue in the way that he just wanted because he talks about that in like the letter that he writes at the last of this issue of like it was really hard for me to give this up but he writes about it in terms of like there's so many other ideas that I had or so many other 
moments that could have been and there are like so many ways to like to continue to tell this story and like the story of thor as like a literal um god and like the way that um like we sort of like as people living in like a modern or postmodern world like don't really have sort of like myths and stories like in that way as like the people who like came before us did like we don't have like an odyssey or like an iliad or like a Bhagavad Gita or like a Mahabharata, like all these like other stories that sort of like encapsulated like people's imaginations and minds in the way that, um, in the way like those stories did for people in those, in those eras that like they were about their gods and they were about morals and they were about like the links to like which their gods could go for people and the ways that like which people were supposed to like act and be and live in these worlds where like these gods were very real. And we like don't have that. And so Aaron was like, that was the part of it that was powerful for me as someone who has been burned by um, like American, like Christian religion, mm-hmm. like in religious practices. And like that part of it I'm sold by in this issue, like the way that the story wraps up in the first few pages, like they solve the crisis, Thor kills Gore, Loki goes to be the sun in like a really sort of powerful moment. And then like the next few pages are like the librarian living out these sort of like, these are also things that that Thor did. And we get all these different artistic things. And then like we get to the end of it and Thor like goes and sort of assumes another role as almost like, like an Atlas at like the end of the world, like holding the world up, like trying to fight back Mm -hmm. the darkness. And like, it was at that point that, cause I, I felt really maybe sort of cynical, like reading this issue um because i was like i don't know why we need this and then i i got to the end and i was like okay this is aaron saying i've been trying to do more than just give you a really good thor story i've been trying to like reinscribe this sense of um just like like sacrality into like everything that i'm doing uh and i was really i was really captivated by by that point and the way that like the story ends even with like with an amen like ends with this this other like family like telling these stories about thor like to their kids like that part really got me and i'm like okay this is necessary i can i can do this this is fine mm-hmm. i like this and but it wasn't until the end that i had that because i read guardians first and then i read this and i was uh, like why the fuck do we need this book and and then it was like oh, okay no we need this book this is important yeah and that was that was kind of why i was holding my tongue earlier this it's really interesting that both of these books came out at the same time because they're doing such similar things. But I think Aaron, he stuck the landing on that and he made all of those artistic pages feel necessary. He used the artist to say, this is a different story and not just look at the cool spread. and, And these were the artists that worked on it. It's, it has its own flavor, its own visual meaning and so when you look at it and when you read it, it's clear that it's not the same story. It might be the same characters, mm-hmm. it might even be the same writer, but it's not, it's a different Thor, it's a different thing. One's this damn police procedural in space again. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I just, it was, it, that read like a Grant Morrison comic for a second. Yeah. And I loved that. I loved the little the little check-ins. This was if 
so if the end of Thor was uh, the end of the the 2018 Thor with Mike Del Mundo was was kind of a cap to that. It was a cap to all of his work on that character specifically, and was a reflection on Thor. This was his reflection on the entirety of that universe. He checks in right. with all of these other characters and he says, and does new things with some of them. Like, yeah. like Sif, and so Sif becomes like, like Heimdall and um, like Balder becomes the, like King of the Norns. Like those are not things mm-hmm. that happen in war of the realms. Those are things that happen here. And will probably play into what like Kate's is doing with like, when yeah. he takes over Thor. And it gives future writers opportunities to come back and visit them. But it also says, it also just says, well, here's a cool idea. Here's yeah. Here, here are some of the tastes of the possibilities that Thor can bring that this character can, can do uh, not definite. They're not, and we don't even know when or how or, or, or why we just know, well, Here's the story. Here's here's some some here's some really weird out there ideas, and maybe they'll happen one day, and maybe they won't, and maybe the the stories weren't true and they were simply told and made up, but they're here, they're inscribed, and there will always be more stories. You can always come back to this one if future ones aren't to your liking, and I think there's there's something really nice and really powerful about all of that. Aaron kind of always had these stories within stories, and that's what King Thor kind of felt like. Uh, It felt like as we were going, we finished the inner layer. We finished kind of the core. uh, War of the Realms wrapped up, and that was the bulk of his run. That was, there were all these small, smaller arcs that kind of tied into it and built the characters. Like, throughout the Mighty Thor, we had the Asgard Shi'ar war. And we had all these like smaller arcs that built into something bigger. And then once war of the realms wrapped up, there was still yet something bigger that we had to resolve. And that was, you know, King Thor at the end of time, but also that Thor's kind of uh, his regrets and, and all of the uncertainties that, you know, you kind of thought were wrapped up and, and, and finished by the end of, Thor 2018, even though he kind of states that he can't, he'll always have to live with it, but it's a, it's a different, it's a different kind of story. Uh, it, it's a darker one and it's a more, it's one with a lot more doubt and a lot more self, uh, reflection. King Thor is, is he, he's pretty, pretty battered. He's been at this for so long. He's tired. He's done. He doesn't want to kind of do this anymore. And he's like, was I ever really worthy and did it matter? Like, did any of what I, what I did matter? I guess tying it back to Gwenpool, it's, it's kind of the same. It's that idea of, well, what did this come to? If, if, if all I did to, uh, to try and protect it failed, I didn't do enough. I was not worthy of these titles that were handed to me of, of all of these ideas. Uh, but now that we're here at the end, it's it, this was where this was where we needed to to stop. This this was 
closing out the chapter while also saying there's still so much to do and tell in between that this can be written. And that I really loved that about this issue was if you read Jason Aaron's Thor from the first book to the last book, all of them from one to from, from Thor God of Thunder number one to King Thor number four, it's one story, one epic. Even if it wasn't necessarily planned that way from the start, he made it work. But it's also something that allows for the inclusions of everything else that came before and will come after to be a part of it. It doesn't exclude by linking Thor to the end of time. It doesn't exclude all of the stuff that happens in between. It doesn't make it any less valid. And it doesn't negate this story retroactively because it says that people change, people come back, people learn, people stop being who they once were but that they can always come back and that they'll continue to grow and change and that there are all these possibilities that we could that we just could never consider but here they are and maybe you'll get to experience them soon and there's a wonder in knowing that there are all of these other stories this isn't like I guess, I guess to use one uh, another Jason Aaron book example, this isn't like Scalped, where it had a clear beginning, middle, end. The story was done. There was nothing else that could be told. And if you told more, it would kind of, it, it would start to leave a sour taste in your mouth. But with this issue, he makes the statement that there will be other stories. There will be other tales. And they don't negate this one. This was this saga. This saga is done. This saga is completed. It's bound. It's stuck on the shelf. But there are others. There's more. And maybe one day you'll come back and, and, and kind of read the next one. And they won't go. They're not going anywhere. And I kind of like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I like I know that like that was what this run was at the beginning. And I don't know that I really sort of appreciated the level of like tact and 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 everything else that like went into making this finale similar to like the same kind of ideas mm-hmm. that he was exploring at the beginning. Even though like the idea of like worthiness was throughout the whole saga, like this sort of touches back to like the things that happened like in the very beginning. And I and I appreciated it for that reason. And it definitely leaves the door open for so many other stories to happen and like so many other ideas to flow through. And like is sort of in that there will always be stories told about Thor. Like we know that. Um, and that was really, really cool. So I, th- I thought this was a good, a good ending, even though I had doubts in the middle of the, <laughs> in the mini of the mini series. Yeah. And he did, he did kind of almost end the series multiple times. And yeah, so many times before so many times. he announced King Thor. Yeah. And he's like, not really done. Cause he's still co-writing Valkyrie, but yeah, but that's for that's another a, day. It's a whole different beast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, folks, that is the end of 2019 for us. Uh, we did it. We did it. The president was impeached today, but we did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did it. Uh, uh, we'll be back the first week of 2020 with... Uh, thoughts about incoming 
and more news and things as they unfold. Uh, Elias, I want to thank you again for for being on and being our guest uh, this this month. Uh, where can folks find you on the larger interwebs if they wanted to do that? They could find me on Twitter at Quetzal-ish, Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. Uh, it's on most of my bios on the webs on the site. I'm at Multiversity. Um, I don't check Twitter nearly often enough for that to be helpful, <laughs> but uh, they can find me on Multiversity. They can find me on Twitter. I'm sure my email is there somewhere. That's fun. <laughs> but it's always nice <laughs> being on here. Thank you for having me again, really. Of course. Thank you for thank you for being our guest. And uh and you can check out the end of the decade comment on multiple end of the decade content on multiversitycomics.com uh, coming soon. Uh you can find me on Twitter at KBGregory13. I'm also gonna be part of some of the fun stuff that uh Elias and Co are cooking up for the end of these last 10 years um and there's a lot of fun content coming as we round out this year and look towards this next decade uh, but folks we'll be back the first week of january with a ton more com- content and until then um keep reading and enjoy your holidays and we'll see you then bye